As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Anytime a special player is available, which he is, you've got to do the work. I'm not going to get into deep discussions on where it's at or what we're doing or what we might do. He's a really good player, really special player, but you never know how any of this will work out. All right, welcome back. That was Chris Ballard this week in Phoenix at the NFL owners meetings discussing the biggest question right now in the NFL as it pertains to the Indianapolis Colts as well. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback, who's on the non-exclusive franchise tag. The Colts at this point seem to be the only team that are not saying no just yet. We'll dig into that. This is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd. Busy week down in Phoenix. Busy week as we flip the calendar from March to April and then get ready for the NFL draft, which is at the end of the month. James, I was down there in Scottsdale. You were catching up from Indy, keeping an eye on the draft boards as well. Ballard basically didn't say no, which I thought was interesting. But I have some thoughts on this. What are yours? I thought that... His comments about, I'm not going to tell you where we're at. I'm not going to tell you what's going on. That really was overblown in a sense, at least in my opinion. I felt like everyone latched on to the first part of what he said, where he more or less said that they weren't completely out on Lamar. And, you know, being in media, people tend to take that or other versions of that throughout you know sports history and hear what you want to hear. And he did not say, we're pursuing him, it's imminent, it's going to happen, nothing like that. Feels like the NFL media was desperate for some team to acknowledge it was a possibility. Exactly. Because so many teams have said the opposite. Exactly. To me, this was a GM who is seven games, I believe, under 500 during his tenure, you know, hasn't won a division title, you're picking number four, not number one, so I felt respect for him and Ursay for not coming out, you know, and basically saying we're not going to just get this guy at all when your team desperately needs a quarterback. You should at least consider it. But I just felt like this was so misconstrued. You know, I saw things on TV and I'm like, wait, what? Like you're taking this away? Maybe it's because we're around Chris Ballard more often, but I felt like he gave a little bit of a leash and people just took it and yanked it to the point where 
I think, again, it's being overblown and it's not something that's guaranteed to happen. And again, a lot of that has to do with the talent that Lamar has, the excitement he would bring to the franchise. Obviously, he would be, in my opinion, still the safest bet among quarterback options because you know who he is, what he could give you when he's healthy, which is key when he's healthy. We'll talk more about that later. But what were your thoughts just being there and hearing it come out of his mouth? When you tweeted it out, I was like, oh, man, like this is this is going to get some traction. And then it did. And again, it got a life of its own. Yeah. So it was important to note like how this played out Monday. We had breakfast with Shane Steichen about seven in the morning, West Coast time. And, and he didn't he didn't say no. Shane was basically like, we do our due diligence on all players. Zach, he said, said due no. diligence like 30 times during doing his, their due diligence. Like That's another thing. I'll, I'll let you get back to that. But he said due diligence for everything throughout his interview when I played it back when you sent it to me. So to anyone out there thinking that was like some telltale sign. No, it's just how he talks. He uses the phrase due diligence in every single answer. But go ahead. Correct. That's his go-to. And so that was this morning. That was that was Monday morning at the same time that, that John Harbaugh was talking two tables over at the same time Lamar Jackson's tweet went out that he had requested <laughs> yeah, oh a trade from Baltimore. It doesn't really change things much, I don't think. But it does make clear that they're really not close and that he wants out. And then about lunchtime, we sat down with Chris Bowd, and that's when Ballard said what you just heard, that, look, you know, we're not going to rule anything out. He's a great player. we got to evaluate everything. And here's what I think Chris Bowd is doing, and I think this is smart. He knows that he screwed up this position the last couple of years. He knows where his team is at, picking fourth behind two QB needy teams in Houston and Carolina, and maybe a third if someone trades into the Arizona spot. He knows how bad it would look and it would sound if a team that's desperate for a quarterback comes out and says, we're not going to do that. We're not going to look at Lamar Jackson. It would just look terrible, one, because you don't have a solution, and two, because you've screwed it up the last couple of years. Like, why are you saying that you're not going to go after him when you clearly haven't figured it out the last couple of years? It does them no disservice to just say, sure, we'll look at it. And from the people I talked to last week, my stance is, absolutely it's worth having a conversation and i think that's where the colts are at and i was not told that was the wrong approach i was not told the colts are not doing that they actually are going to consider this in a very very realistic way and then let's go into the realistic reasons why this is very very unlikely because later monday night at jim Mercer's hotel suite across town the owner said some very very fascinating things and i'll play the clip for you now but but this is the guy at the top, right? This is the guy writing the check. And so what Jim Irsay says matters. It has nothing to do with actual dollars. I mean, that paying a contract like that is not a problem. I mean, you know, not a problem for me, I know. I mean, that's not the issue. I mean, the issue is, you know, what's the right thing to do for the franchise, you know, in terms of what helps us win in, in the long run? Because we know Peyton Manning in 2001 you know, we were six and ten. You had Marvin Harrison, Jim Moore was a proven, you know, winning head coach. You know, everyone says, well, you just put Peyton Manning in, you're automatically a winner. You don't have to do anything now. Now you just have to focus on the Super Bowl because you're, you know, going to win 11 games or whatever easily. It's not true. I mean, you need more than just the quarterback. That's the whole point, I think. You have to have the quarterback, but to go where you really want to go, everyone knows you need more than the quarterback. Okay, that was Jim Irsay Monday night. Being frank and candid and honest as always, I thought it was interesting, James, that he said the money's not the issue. But for him, for Jim Irsay, whose salary cap approach very much mirrors Chris Ballard's, 
He said, I don't want to give up those draft picks. And he said, I don't think that's the best way to build a franchise. They want, and the owner wants, a rookie quarterback. Where did you come down on Jim Mercer's comments? Yeah, those were my takeaways as well. Also love the subtle flex of I'm rich. I can pay him. Yeah. Um, 50 million. What's that? That's nothing. <laughs> I was like, man, like, so basically you're saying I'm not one of these broke owners, I guess, uh, which is funny in and of itself, because if you're an owner, you're obviously not broke, but there are levels to it, I guess. But I did respect his stance and his honesty with, I don't want to guarantee contract. I think it's bad for the sport. That's not me saying that. That's him saying that, which is fine. But I'm glad he said it out loud because it seems like with the other teams that are saying no immediately, there is collusion. And you can say it's for whatever reason, guarantee contracts or Lamar just not that good. But to have teams like the commanders and the Falcons be out on him, considering what you have at the quarterback spot. Yeah, Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter. And then to hear the Atlanta Falcons owner basically saying, oh, you know, every game counts. He's missed time the past few years. Wait a second. You all pursued Deshaun Watson last season, who missed the entire 2021 season because of his alleged sexual misconduct. Missed 11 games the coming season. Everyone knew he was going to get suspended at some point. You still went after him. And the only reason he wasn't your quarterback is because another team offered him a fully guaranteed deal. So I'd rather you just say, we don't want to give a fully guaranteed contract like Jim Ursay said, so we don't have to pretend like we're dumb enough to believe what you're saying. I mean, come on, like that, that's ridiculous to say that out loud. And I was like, wait a second, you know, Deshaun Watson, the guy who tore his ACL, I believe might've been twice. So don't give me, you know, the injury history with Lamar and then, you know, act like what you did last offseason in pursuit of him didn't happen, you know? So that was really uh, weird with the whole, you know, other owners not really saying what's obvious. And so the other part, like you said, that really caught my eye was Jim Irsay in true Jim Irsay fashion saying, you know, these picks are like golden nuggets, I think is how he phrased it. And he really cares about team building. And one of the quotes that also stood out to me was when he was talking about Peyton Manning. And he was more or less comparing like drafting a guy like a Peyton or Andrew Luck versus signing a guy in free agency who isn't homegrown. And he's like, everyone talks about the quarterback. Yes, the quarterback matters. Yes, that that is the biggest thing in sports that you need to succeed, in, you know, in football. However, if you draft one, your options to build around him are much, much better as opposed to being in, as he put it, you know, I'm paraphrasing, it might have been like cap hell or something like that. He took a shot at the Rams. He's like, you mortgage everything for a run at a Super Bowl. And my thought was, it doesn't matter if you get the ring, right? And you know what, Zach? I enjoyed the fact that he, and I don't know if he's done this in the past. Again, I'm fairly new to the beat, but. The fact that he explained the two Lombardis and why he always says two, I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like, it is outlandish that he's talking about Lombardis after last season. I'll say that. But the man is true to himself. But it was his reasoning makes sense to me because the Rams do look like they're going to be very bad for a while because, they, you know, they gave everything. And, you know, I'll put a poll out there for, you know, maybe I'll put a poll out there for Colts fans on Twitter and ask them, would you take the one Super Bowl? And, you know, 10 years of being terrible after that, or would you rather be a contender, you know, year in and year out with the quarterback or the team? And so that's one I thought was pretty interesting. But I understand where he's coming from. And as a guy who 
title of the podcast upper quartile so who's used to being in the upper quartile zach top quartile <laughs> of the upper quartile it makes sense that he doesn't want to sort of do the i don't want to say new age but there's a bit of a trend there like where teams kind of go all in you saw it with you know the bucks and tom brady winning it his first year there um you know matthew stafford winning it his first year there and so is that a possibility with lamar i think lamar jackson if you bring him in instantly puts you back into AFC South contention, in my opinion. Absolutely. AFC relevance, at the very least, exactly. you don't have. But, again, what does your team look like around him? Can you build around him? And, again, there are serious injury concerns. There's concerns about his durability. And I think that we've all pushed, at least on the media side, for you know a team to be aggressive. Get Lamar. He's a former MVP, and I get it. He is dynamic. He was great last season. Until he got hurt. You know, he was great the year before until he got hurt. And so it's not just disingenuous to say this is a guy who maybe isn't who he once was. That's the other part of this that's interesting. And this is something Ballard believes. And whether you agree or not doesn't really matter because he's the one making the decision. He says, You don't pay a player for what he's done, you pay a player for what he's going to do. And a lot of players have issues with that, right? I deserve to be paid higher, right? The interesting thing that Ursay dropped about midway through our conversation was it'd be one thing if he was a free agent. That's a completely different conversation. The thing that jumped out a lot to me was those golden nuggets comments. Ursay loves those first round picks. He loves those high draft picks. And he knows what it takes to build a team around a great quarterback. And he knows what a team looks like when it has a great quarterback and doesn't have a supporting cast. You guys know what Andrew Luck's early years looked like. And he doesn't want to make those mistakes. The years he talked about a lot were 2025 and 2027. Those were the years he mentioned, not 2023 and 24. He knows this is going to be a build up. And he's very enchanted by the idea of doing that build with a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract and having the money and the flexibility to fill in around that player because they have more issues than than obviously just quarterback. You know that, James. Everybody out there listening knows that. You guys watched last season. But let me list this this, this these numbers for you right now because I think this is a fascinating element to this conversation. These are the biggest quarterback deals out there right now, a lot of which were signed the last couple of years. Aaron Rodgers, 50 million APY average per year, 150 million guaranteed. Russell Wilson's number 2, 49 million per year, 165 guaranteed. Kyler Murray, 46 million per year, 160 guaranteed. Deshaun Watson, 46 million per year, obviously 230 guaranteed. Even throwing in Dak Prescott from a couple years ago, 40 million per year, 126 guaranteed. Which of those five teams is happy with that deal right now? Yeah, it's a great question. And you know who's not on that list? Patrick Mahomes. And we've talked about it previously. Teams are, teams are reacting to teams overpaying for quarterbacks. And I'm not saying these guys aren't worth it. They're spectacular. Aaron Rodgers, right? But the Packers were kind of in a bind. And the Broncos traded for him, so they were all in. So they gave him a deal before the season. And the Cardinals didn't really have another option besides paying Kyler. And the Browns were desperate, so they went all in and guaranteed the entire deal. And the Cowboys kind of, I mean, would you pay Dak $40 million a year? I don't like any of those contracts. And I don't know if I don't know where Lamar fits in because he's an interesting case study. He's been spectacular. But I will tell you a couple things that matter in the Colts' mind right now. 
One are the injuries. That's a real concern. Two, he doesn't have an agent. And that makes this very, very, very difficult right now. Yeah, like how do you, you can, you can negotiate with him as of right now, but how do you go about that, you know, where he might not be navigating it the best way possible because he just doesn't know. It seems like... Teams are paying attention. Yeah. Teams see what he tweets. They know. And everything I've read, I was like, man, like that 3% or 5% or whatever it is you give to an agent would probably insulate you from a lot of the back and forth that can become personal in business talks. And maybe your agent can work out a way where it's not a technically fully guaranteed deal, but it's guaranteed more or less with like... Agents are worth it. I, I hear that a lot. And I feel like that is living out right now. Like that truth is just being... It just feels like it's messy. And the other thing that Ballard is not naive to is the fact that the Ravens are a really well-run organization. They draft well. They sign good players. They don't let good players out the door. They consistently win. And the fact that they have such an impasse right now with this with this player they are desperate to sign, a player they have offered a ton of money to, the fact that those two sides aren't even close, that's something the Colts are not naive to. You have to pay attention to that. Ballard always says, well, if he's a great player, then why is he available? There's there's usually a reason, and you have to figure out what that reason is and how important it is to you. Yeah, I agree. But to play devil's advocate, I will say that the Ravens are only winning, have one of late because of him. They have no other players over there, offensively at least, that would move the needle anywhere else outside of Mark Andrews. I'm not disputing his talent. Yeah, like, his I just want to throw that out there. Like, He's yeah, they've, they've won the past. They're a winning franchise historically. This isn't the Browns we're talking about. Yeah. This isn't like, you know. Exactly. They have a well-run front office is what I'm saying. Let's say Lamar is willing to take a non-fully guaranteed deal, right? Let's just like live in reality because I don't think he's going to get the fully guaranteed deal. Does that change things for the Colts? I, I don't know if it does. I don't know if it does. I still feel like this is very unlikely. I think the biggest thing that could change everything is, you know, because Lamar came out earlier this week and said, I want to trade. So is the relationship so broken to the point where he's like, even if I don't get a fully guaranteed deal from you all or anyone, I just don't want to play here for you anymore. That's the other factor is like, is he willing to sit out? Because that's $2 million a week he would be forfeiting. Exactly. And this is a guy, again, who came in, I believe the same year as Josh Allen. Josh Allen's already got his extension. He's got his money. He's got the $100 million deal. You don't. So are you going to miss out on even more money because you're, again, at this? And the Ravens are not, they're not going to panic. They want him back. They told our our Ravens reporter this week, Jeff Strebick, like, we're determined to get a deal done. We want Lamar. Yeah. I, they're not going to just ship him out because he's mad. Yeah. But again, this is where. Is he willing to sit out right. camp? Is he willing to sit out games? And more importantly, forfeit that huge paycheck because he's going to make, if he plays on the tag this year, he's going to make $32 million. That's the trade-off, and that, to me, will determine everything because if he's as stubborn as he you know, might be, I don't know just yet. Again, money changes a lot of things. Your love of the game changes a lot of things. That could push them to finally make a deal, and it also could ruin their leverage if he really intends on, like, I'm just never going to play for you all again. Get me out of here. Um, I still think there's a lot of time to go, a lot of chances to reconcile and make this water under the bridge yes it's contentious but as i've said before his talent isn't undeniable to the point where you it's a no-brainer to pay him a fully guaranteed deal that's a good point he's not a top five quarterback right now no 
Like he's top he's ten, top I think. Ten, but I d- but the injuries is real. Like that's a real concern, and and he's not Joe Burrow, and he's not Patrick Mahomes, and he's he's not Josh Allen. I mean, he's he's great, but it's not a slam dunk. It's not a slam dunk. Yeah, to me, the two names you just said: Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. If Patrick Mahomes, I tweeted this out. If Patrick Mahomes asks for a fully guaranteed deal now, he's already on a big deal. Honestly, it's gonna be the, end up being one of the best deals in the NFL. I think it'll be the best in history, yeah. considering what the prices are right yeah, now. Yeah, and how great he is, and how long he's locked in. However, if he had asked, especially now having won two Super Bowls, hey, I want a fully guaranteed deal. He will get it before he finished his statement. His question. Joe Burrow. I think Burrow. I think Burrow could get one. I too. think Joe Burrow could get one. It just depends on if he's willing to pursue that. We'll see. I think that Lamar is opening a different avenue. I don't know if he's going to be the one to push this thing down the road to fully guarantee deals for big time quarterbacks. We'll see. But it's not undeniable. There are, you know, obvious flaws. There's obvious holes, and they're legitimate. It's not people hating on Lamar. And this is why I love the Lamar debate because on one side you got people who love him. He's great. He can't do any wrong. He can walk on the water. If you've seen the throws, he can make the runs he can make. But on the other hand, you have people who are just saying, oh, he's just a running back. He can't throw. Like, no, he is dynamic, but he is not, again, a no-brainer. So we'll see. The other element to this that's fascinating is what happens in the draft. The Colts are picking fourth. If they don't end up with a quarterback, in the unlikely event they don't end up with a quarterback, does that change things? Does that increase their motivation to call Baltimore and see what's what's going oh, on? Oh, absolutely. Right? Exactly. Yes, because it- doesn't it feel like they would have to make an offer that's substantially higher than what the Ravens are already offering? So you're going to make an offer, the biggest offer you've ever made for a player in the history of the franchise, which Ursay says is no big deal. I tend to disagree based on their spending habits. But let's play that game. If they make that offer that's so much farther, so much ahead of whatever Baltimore can offer, you're going to pay him that absorbent number. And then you're also going to give up those golden nuggets that Ursay mentioned, those first two round picks. That move runs counter to everything they've done the last couple of years in trying to build this team. Now, they've certainly made mistakes and the way they've done it has not paid off. There's that reality. But the other reality is you sit with Jim Ursay for an hour, you can't help but get a sense of what this guy wants and where this guy's at. And this guy desperately wants to grow his own. He wants to grow his own quarterback. He mentioned Philadelphia. He mentioned Kansas City. He mentioned Cincinnati. He mentioned the teams that have drafted their guy. You don't have to draft him first overall. Jalen Hurts, he mentioned a couple times. He mentioned Brock Purdy. He really wants to grow his own. That's what he did with Andrew. That's what he did with Peyton. He knows there will be a couple rocky seasons as they build it up, probably. But he likes the flexibility that that rookie contract affords his team. And he seems hell-bent on figuring out who that guy is at number four. They don't know right now. They really don't know right now. But another revelation was, you know, why didn't you trade up to Chicago to get that first overall pick? And Chris said, look, we weren't ready to do it. We weren't sure there was a guy up there that we really, really wanted And we feel good about where we're at at four. And we feel like there's pretty good depth. Now that remains to be seen. We'll see. They're not going to be boxed in. The GM is not going to be boxed in. He's not going to be forced to pick someone he doesn't really want. And the owner is willing to be patient and try to find his own guy as opposed to mortgage 
the short term and possibly the long term on going to get a talented player like Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So to your point, Zach, and I guess this will be a little golden nugget for our listeners. Uh, I have a story coming out about Lamar versus trading up to number three, like which one's the better option. And I was doing some things and, and what stood out to me about what Jim Ursay said about drafting a quarterback and that usually being the path to success in this league. And I was like, okay, he says like the last 10 years drafted quarterbacks. All right, like let's, let's look at the last 10 years over the last 10 years, only three Super Bowl champions have had quarterbacks that they did not draft or acquire on draft night over the last 20 years. There's only been four. Well, there's a couple of the last couple of years, Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady would be the non non-drafted guys. I'm trying to think the other two, one of them, you know, because he's a pillar of, uh, you know, Colts land. Peyton with the with the Denver Broncos, right? Yeah. And then the last one. Both ways work. Both ways have worked. They have worked. Now, a lot of things have to line up for you to add a veteran at that particular point and still be able to build the roster up. Like the Bucks went all in and they don't have any regrets. They got a Lombardi. I, I would argue the Rams have no regrets. I don't care how bad oh, they no. were last year. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. When you got the freaking trophy and the Colts are four twelve and one for God's sake. So it's not like you can preach on your high mountain and say, like, we know what we're doing. Like you were terrible last year. And Ursay made sure to mention this. His biggest regret, and this is Ballard's as well, goes back to twenty twenty one. They had a really good season with Phillip Rivers in twenty twenty. And Ursay's biggest regret is not stopping the Carson Wentz trade. He didn't want to do it. These are his words. Now it's easy to play revisionist history. And if you go back, Jim Irsay at that time was championing Carson Wentz. He was saying he could do all the things. He could be here for four or five years. Funny how that story changes. He didn't want to trade for Carson Wentz. And Chris wishes he had stopped that trade because Frank wanted it to happen. They wanted to draft a quarterback that year. I think it would have been Justin Fields. But it doesn't matter. Justin Fields is in Chicago. The Colts swung on Carson Wentz. They missed. They swung on Matt Ryan. They missed. And that's why they are where they are. I think Jim Irsay puts his foot down this time and says, draft a quarterback and let's build this up from the ground. Yeah, and there are still ways to be aggressive within that. Yes, they're at number four. They can move to number three, which, again, might not be the most sexy thing, right? Most splashy thing. Wouldn't it make you feel a little bit better, though? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just doing with some Seattle lurking with Detroit lurking with Oakland lurking. Exactly. And so if you don't want a team to jump you, um, the cost of moving up from four to three actually wouldn't be as high as you've seen other teams move up to number three in years past. Like I know. What are we talking? So I know, you know, in 2018, the Jets moved up from six to three. Right. Yeah. With the Colts. Sam Darnold. Yeah. With their, and, and they gave up. You know, are pretty cost them a two at least, right? Yeah, I gave them. A, a, I can look it up right now, but they gave them a, a pretty decent haul. So they moved up from from six to three, and they gave six picks to the, the Colts, a thirty seven pick, with they ended up being Braden Smith, a twenty eighteen second rounder, and a twenty nineteen second rounder. Colts just absolutely destroyed that trade. Yeah. Like they just they destroyed the Jets with that. Trade. And then the other recent number three trade is obviously the Trey Lance trade in twenty twenty one where they get up three first round picks, which is just ridiculous. Like I would never do that. They're not going to do that. The The 49ers regret doing that right now. I'm sure. But three to four doesn't seem like it, Cause it's not as big of a jump. I do believe that yeah. they could get and, and Arizona is still getting a really premium pick and probably the same player. Exactly. So if they, you know, you know probably still getting willing, if they key in on him and they want him, I do think that the Colts could move up from four to three for maybe a, 
Second round pick. Uh, I don't think they'd want to give up a two, though. Maybe a third. Two, three, something along those lines. My point is you don't have to give up your 2024 first round pick. No, no, no. Ballard wouldn't do it. Exactly. No, and so, because you're only moving up one spot, I do think they're, and, and this is, again, you have to remember there's two sides to this. So the Cardinals are like, give us a second round pick. Because the other thing, and the reason why I throw the second round pick out there is like, just because you lowball them doesn't mean you're the only team that's interested in moving up. So that might be the cost that it takes to keep a Raiders, you know, keep a... Yeah, you're essentially playing defense. You're just blocking out. You're just preventing them from going to get whoever you would have in mind. And would that be Will Levis? Would that be Anthony Richardson? But if you zero in on one of those guys, and he's the guy, you need to do whatever you need to do to get him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the cost is if he's the guy in the long exactly. run. Exactly. But, again, with them not seeing someone who rose above the rest to move to number one aggressively, it makes me think, like, okay, are they going to be a little hesitant now? But I do think that that's an avenue. And, again, it doesn't have to be your first offer. Like, I'm not going to come to them and say, hey, here's our second round pick. Here's, like, no, you want to be able to negotiate. But I think something of, you know, if it's a second and a fifth or a third and a fifth, a third, fifth, and a, I don't know, a fourth, whatever the case may be, you still have the chance to keep your true, true golden nuggets, which are the first round picks, um, and have a chance to continue to build your team around a quarterback that you haven't mortgaged your entire future to get. So that's my main takeaway. Like, I'm not, I'll never, I'm not a lot of anyone out here and say I'm some cap pick expert like there's charts out there telling you what's the value of xyz and i've read this stuff but i can't sit here and tell you like what's a comparable trade i just know that you know it would not involve your first round pick to move up one spot so they can get the same player and again it also depends on what offers they're getting from other people right now i think that it's a game of chicken you know where Seattle, you can see them taking photos and selfies with every prospect because it's like, hey, we, we might move up for this guy. I think it's all gamesmanship just to make you think a little bit more about where you're at and, and maybe, you know, stand where you are or not stand where you are. So we'll see. But again, I think that there's an avenue to if you identify a gap in between presumably Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, you can do it and not, you know, again, give up the house for you know the nice car so we'll see i mean i'm excited about it because there's still possibilities out there and then you know you got two guys who are hitting the ceiling in their pro days which i figure it happens fairly often maybe not as often as we've seen it because i was like wow this is cannon arms big playability you see like the flashes that are there you know will levis he posted a selfie on twitter or, or at least the the back and all that he looks like a tank Anthony Richardson's, you know, throwing and floating, doing backflips and stuff. So there's a lot of physical gifts that both of them have, a lot of upside as well. A lot of downside if it doesn't work out, but that's with any player. But that's where it gets fun, in my opinion. You got to get some skin in the game at some point. I, I would be absolutely shocked, Zach, if they didn't draft a quarterback in the first four. Like yeah, I, I, I hear them saying, even, you know, Ursay and Ballard, oh, we could trade up, we could trade back. They are not trading back. Like I could not see this happening. If they trade back, that would be very shocking to me. And honestly, a little bit cowardly in my opinion, because at some point you got to pick a guy and believe in that guy. And, and you cannot tell me that a player outside of the top four right now you feel comfortable about. Because the next one is Hendon Hooker, who I wrote about. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think that there is some holes in his game as far as, you know, he was in a spread offense. It's not going to be in the NFL 
got a lot of time to throw, a lot of time to read. Uh, guys are wide open. Like, I'm not discrediting what they did because your job is to succeed, and they succeeded a lot with that offense. He was great, 58 touchdowns, five interceptions in his two years as a starter, but he's also 25. Like I said, he's got to become more anticipatory with his throws. You know, he's got to read defense a little bit better. He's got to be more accurate. You know, he has good, pretty good pocket presence, but he also is coming off an ACL. So you cannot convince me that there's a player out there. Like, he might be good in years to come. He could honestly be a star. But right now, today, no one would fault you for taking someone in the top four. I would fault you for trading back and trying to, I don't know, be the genius of the group because it could backfire tremendously if a guy like Hendon Hooker doesn't pan out when you had a chance to get one of the top four quarterbacks. There's options. You keep saying there's options. You know, pick one of them and, and, and trust that you can build around them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The other element to this that's not being talked about enough that from from the people I talked to this week, I don't feel like Hooker's the pick. I feel like the Colts are going to go Richardson or Levis. But to get back to my point, the one element that we're not talking about enough is the new head coach. Bingo. Shane Steichen's going to have a huge, huge voice that's going to be heard in this decision. And this was emphasized several times this week by by those I talked to, including Jim Irsay, who's like, this is his offense. This is his scheme. That's why he was hired. We're going to get the quarterback that he wants, and we're going to bet on our new coach. And I like that play because this guy's done it with different skill sets. Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Phillip Rivers. Shane Steichen was hired because of that reason, because his expertise at that position. And I think if you bet, if you go ahead and if you take Richardson, you're betting on Shane Steichen's ability to mold this ball of clay. I mean, as attractive a ball of clay as you've ever seen, oh, maybe man. physically, oh, man. at that position into a capable, consistent, accurate NFL starter. Same thing with Will Levis, who has a lot to like as well. And I and I honestly I went to Kentucky last week and I watched his pro day. And his pro day was not as impressive as CJ Stroud's was two days earlier. I have to be honest. His his sideline throws weren't as accurate. He overthrew a play over the middle that every quarterback should make 10 times out of 10. He was a little off timing with his deep shots. But again, you know, these guys are still 85% completion percentage in these types of events. And his receivers are not nearly what Stroud was throwing to. And they dropped a lot of his passes that were right on the money. But I wanted to learn more about Levis the guy. And I got a really favorable impression. He's a good kid. And he's obsessed with football. And what does Steichen always say? Steichen says, I want that obsessive quality. And he mentioned that again this week. That's what we're looking for. That's what they're looking for. And, and Levis is going to sit down with the Colts for a top 30 visit. And Richardson's going to sit down with the Colts for a top 30 visit. And that's what they're looking for in those meetings, that unquantifiable desire to be obsessed. Because if they have that, we know they have the physical skills. Steichen is the middleman. Steichen's the guy that's going to bring those two things together. He says you can coach up accuracy with mechanics. Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. He's done it with Jalen Hurts. And I felt like I was talking to Liam Cohen, and this is such a good quote. And I'd heard this from a scout who had studied Levis before. He said, essentially with Levis, sometimes you have to tell him to chill out because he's too much involved. He's too obsessed. He's too 
much sometimes. And he, what he did was, he says, sometimes you have to, and he's, and he's pressing his hands towards the ground. He's like, sometimes you have to do this to him, but you never have to pick him up. You never have to ask him to do more. That's really important because this made me think back to 1998. And these are not the same players and these are not the same pedigrees. But literally two days after he was drafted, Peyton Manning was petitioning the league to let him practice early, right? Like that manic, obsessive OCD quality that made Peyton great. Like you want that in your young quarterback. And Levis isn't the same player and let's not get overboard. But the fact that his coaches are saying that you never have to pick him up and you have to tell him to chill out a little bit, that's a good sign for me. Because it's going to be a lot. And he's going to struggle at the NFL level early because all of them do, except for the rarest of the rare but that was really good. And, and from talking to people around Kentucky, look, I mean, he played through three injuries last year. And the tape is the tape. But I see a lot of good there. And I see a lot of bad. I see some forced throws. But he's tough as hell. And his teammates like him. And what Ballard always says in the draft room is, focus on the good. Focus on what he does well. And there's a lot to like with Levis. There's a lot to like with Richardson. The accuracy gives me a lot of concern with Richardson. But it's such a fascinating conversation because I feel like we can watch all the tape in the world, and we're still not going to know who they're going to take because of the one thing we can't be a part of, and that's the interviews. Who's going to really wow them in an interview? Like Steichen mentioned that when he was talking to Justin Herbert before that draft in 2020 with the Chargers, he was like, this guy's just, there's just no way he's going to fail. With his physical tools and his obsessive OCD qualities, he's too obsessed to fail. And Steichen said the same thing about Jalen Hurts, like going into last season. He's like, he's just doing too many things right. I can't see him going backwards. And so that's going to be the interesting part. But I think at the end of the day, when Steichen says, I want this guy, I think Ballard's going to draft that guy. Who does Shane prefer? He wasn't telling us last week in Arizona, but he's a big factor in this. And they're going to bet on their new head coach. And I think that's the right play. Absolutely. And then there's still the factor of there's teams picking ahead of you. Things could change on draft night. We assume that the first two off the board are going to be C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, in some order. But, you know, again, that number three spot is interesting because, again, if you don't move up and someone jumps you, you don't get to pick who you want. You just pick who's left. And maybe that is who you want in the end, but I would be kind of shocked if your scouting or your evaluations are so much different than the rest of the league where you're like, oh, yeah, our guy's going to just be there. No, that's not how you do it. But I'm interested to see, and I also know you talked to you know, Florida's head coach about Anthony Richardson, and he's another guy who is, by all accounts, a hard worker. He wants to get better. Now, he doesn't have the experience of Will Levis or any other top quarterback in this class, but he does care. And one of the things I enjoyed reading in that piece was about you know his accountability after some tough losses, You know, facing the media, like facing the music. And that's another thing that you pointed out about Chris Ballard. He loves the quarterback, which I'm sure all GMs do and coaches do, that faces the music, owns it. You got to be, and that's huge in this league beyond obviously your play, is how do you manage, you know, when things go right and how and better, how do you manage things when things go wrong? Because they're going to go wrong. That's this league. I mean, we saw it. The Colts beat the Chiefs, you know, this past season. And Patrick Mahomes had to get in front of a mic and say, how did you lose to this team? Which ended up not being good. But Again, I think that it's even more, how do I say, uh, spotlighted or highlighted. Yeah, that's when you're a rookie. It's a different part. It's not, a, it's not like scouting a wide receiver. Like the intangibles are different. No. They're a little bit different with the quarterback. And because you got to be able matter. to deal with 
all of you have to do on the field. You're the guy and you're walking to a locker room with grown men and families. This isn't a college campus anymore. You're not going to be going out to bars after and hanging out, playing video games. I mean, I'm thinking about Ryan Kelly. You're going to be, you know, the guy snapping to you who's still around. We can talk about that a little bit, but he's 29 going on 30. He's got a family. A lot of these guys have kids. And they're depending on you and your performance every day in practice and every day on Sunday. And that's a very real thing. And you need to own that. And when they win, you're going to get credit. And when they lose, it's going to be on you. And you're 20 years old. And I'm glad I wasn't in that position at 20 years old. But if I'm drafting Richardson, I'm not, I'm not starting him next year. I'm not playing him next year. I'm letting him learn the pro game. I'm letting him sit. I'm letting him redshirt. I don't care if Minshew wins four games, draft another stud. Go get Marvin Harrison Jr. But that's the important part with these quarterbacks when they come in is putting them in a situation that nurtures their development. Because this is how so many of them bust, right? They're throwing too fast. They're not mentally ready. They're not mature enough to handle it when it goes bad. Like you said, it's going to go bad. Jim Irsay told this story of Peyton's rookie year. They were 1-6. Now, they were better with Peyton, but they still finished 3-13 and that year. And after a last-second loss in San Francisco, the 49ers owner, Eddie DeBartolo Jr., pulled him aside. And, and Jim was pissed off because they lost the game. And Eddie told him, do you know what's happening? Like, do you do you know what's happening with your franchise? Like, you're going you're gonna to be something to behold. He saw it, right? Eddie DeBartolo had had Montana, and he had Young. You got a dude. He knew what was coming for the Colts. Sometimes it's hard to see that in the moment. And that's going to be the fascinating part. But... Like Jim say, it really matters to him to build this up the right way. And I think the last couple years have scarred him. He didn't step up and he didn't stop the Carson Wentz trade. Matt Ryan, you know, they kind of just were in a really bad spot last year. There wasn't a lot of great options. They went and got Matt Ryan. It didn't work out. I think they're just done with that route. And although Lamar is a very enticing option, he's an explosive player. He's dynamic. He's one of one. Financially, it doesn't make sense for this team right now. And I wonder if they get to a point where they feel like they need to do that. But I don't think Ballard's going to be in a position where he feels like he's boxed in. I don't feel like he's going to be in that spot. For better or for worse, I think they take a quarterback at four. Yeah, and then the last point I'll hit on this topic is I do believe that if something were to happen with Lamar, which is a huge if, an unlikely if, I mean, I'm not banking on it. Like, I'm not holding my breath by any means. I want to make that absolutely clear. But if they were to go after Lamar, in my opinion, it would have to be before the draft. Because if it's after, which everyone can say, oh, we kept our number four pick. We don't know what the other, you know, first round picks are going to be in 2024, 2025. If you don't draft a quarterback at four or anywhere in the draft, you know, who could be your future franchise quarterback, and then you miss on Lamar, you're going to have... Gardner Minshew is your starter, and the quarterback carousel is going to continue. And again, Caleb Williams. That sounds great, right? But isn't Gardner Minshew probably good enough to win you three or four games? I have no idea. Like, that probably knocks you out of the sweepstakes. And one thing I will say, I will say this even if the Colts take a quarterback this year, that doesn't mean they won't take one next year. Oh, yeah. They're looking. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with that. They're not ruling anything that. out, but, I can tell you Man, that. what a terrible look it would be, though, if you draft a quarterback this season, and let's say it's, you know, Anthony Richardson, and you lose a bunch of games, and you end up one or two. Like, do you punt on him right away? Like, I'm not going to say you're wrong That's for a that, conversation for next but, year, but oh, looks man. don't matter. They don't last. 
you know what matters is if you get it right. It doesn't oh, matter how many times. Yeah, it that's takes. true. That's true. If you get it right, you get it right. Like the the Cardinals, they punted on Josh Rosen after one year because they knew he wasn't a guy. Whether Kyler's the guy or not, he's getting paid like he's the guy, so he's going to be there for a while. That's fair, but man, Zach, we will see because goodness gracious, you're already don't rule it out with the Indianapolis Colts sending me down the rabbit hole. Let me just get through 2023 and I'll get back to you on on the rest of this. (laughs) Long way to go. (laughs) Kenny Moore is staying. Ryan Kelly is staying. They had some trade calls about those guys. I think they would have saved about eight million if they would have released each or traded them. I like the moves, and here's why. I thought Kenny was going to go because of what he told me after the season. He didn't click with Gus Bradley, and he didn't have a great year. It sounded like the end. It absolutely sounded like the end, and Kenny felt like a player who was on the way out. I mean, to him, he felt like he was leaving. But Kenny's in the last year of his contract, and Kenny wants a new deal, and he wants to be paid like he's one of the top corners in the league. All right, you need to go prove you're still that guy. He's going to have a lot of motivation going into 2023, a lot of motivation. And a lot of opportunity. And then secondly... The one hire that Shane Steichen is really pumped about. Now, he's excited about a lot of them, but the one he's really amped about is Tony Sperano Jr. on the offensive line. He's a younger guy. came over from the Giants where he was the assistant O-line coach, the son of former head coach Tony Sperano, who was in Miami for a couple years. But Steichen brought in a lot of guys with more experience, a lot of older guys. And he thought Sperano explained his vision more clearly. He taught the game more clearly. And there were some parts where he would get up on the screen and explain things. And about halfway into the interview, about three hours into a six hour interview, Steichen said, this is the guy, this is the guy. And he knows how important that is. He was just calling plays for an offense that had the best line in the league. Now he comes to a team with a yacht, with a line that was one of the worst. This unit needs to play better. And I think banking on Sperano lifting that unit up is probably worth it with a guy like Ryan Kelly. We'll see. But if it doesn't work out this year, they're absolutely going to have to move on because he's getting a huge number and he didn't meet that expectation last year. So I think that's fair thinking on the Colts part. Do you disagree? I think that that's fair. We'll see how it transitions. They're going to add something on the O-line, though. Oh, they're gonna they have to. Pieces. I think that they're still looking. You, know, you learned a very hard lesson last season. I will say this, though, because I was kind of giving Bell the side eye when he said – you know, we have Kenny Moore, we have Isaiah Rogers, we expect Dallas Flowers to take a step up. That's I a was risk, like, man. wait a second, you did this last yeah. year. You told us, oh, hey, they're gonna step up, they're gonna, you know, meet the moment, so to speak. And they did not, at least, you know, at left tackle and right guard, it was definitely just a lot of going on. And some of that is to blame on the veterans who expectations were different too, though. Remember I agree. Last I agree. year it was we're gonna contend for the AFC South. This year it's like, well, we're just gonna See where we're at. I agree, and but that yeah, I absolutely they need some help. At court. Yeah, I'm absolutely. like you love Dallas Flowers, great dude, honestly, a, incredible story. Like Chap always says, you love these guys until you see them play a lot, right? Everybody can play well. Everybody in the NFL can play well in certain situations and in spurts, but the longer they play, the more they reveal who they really are. And I'm not saying they, these guys can't be great players. We've seen a lot, a lot of high end play from Isaiah Rogers, but. It's different when you start 17 games. Yeah, and you're expected. And there's no Stephon Gilmore on the I other was going to say you're expected to be a guy, and I'm very interested to see how Moore gets utilized in his second season with Gus Bradley because it is a contract year. He might not be here next year. You never know. But, you know, based off of his comments to you at the end of the season, just his journey throughout the NFL, like the Colts was where he got his name. His 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 He established himself. He became a dude for the Colts, so I would expect him to still want to be that guy. And he's only 27. I think so. so. I think so. 
but I'm also, you know, there's a big question mark and we'll dive into it around training camp, especially during the season. But how do you utilize him? Because he was not utilized last season very much, or at least in the way that he's used to. And so I'm excited about that. It makes sense. And then also, and I didn't even put this in a story or anything. I'm just thinking of it in the moment. I think it also speaks to Ballard's and Ursay's love of like homegrown guys. Ryan Kelly's homegrown. Yeah. He's like they they've been good Colts and we weren't just re- we weren't ready to move on with exactly them. move on from them Kenny Moore another homegrown so to speak he's undrafted signed off waivers from I believe New England but he's a he's a Colt like that's he went through he got his name he kind of rose through the ranks with them and so we'll see how that works out you know it's gonna be interesting to see how they felt the rest of the roster I do think they have to make some splashes in free agency it feels like we're not talking a lot about the moves that they've made we have talked in the past but they haven't made a lot of them, I don't expect anything big to happen. All the big name guys are pretty much gone, obviously. But you do need some veteran pieces added to this team. You know, I get it. They have nine draft picks, but all nine of them are not going to be on the team, most likely, you know, <laughs> next season. So you got to you, know, you got to add some experience there. And I think that that goes hand in hand with, you know, what you're doing at the most important spot, which is quarterback. You know, offensively, you definitely want to bolster your offensive line because no matter if it's Gardner Minshew starting or Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, whoever the case may be, you cannot trot that same offensive line out there and expect anything positive or going in the right direction to happen. I know Jim Irsay said that was a big thing for him was even if we don't have a great season, we want to see signs of moving in the direction we want to go. And you cannot really have that if your quarterback continues to run for his life and get hit or get hurt. I mean, none of the three quarterbacks last season played well, and two of them got hurt because they were playing behind an offensive line that for most of the season was a revolving door. That's a really good pivot to the GM and to his job security, and that's a very fair question. And Chris Ballard said after the season, I fired myself 50 times this year. The man who didn't fire him was Jim Irsay. And I wondered about this. Where is Chris Ballard's seat right now? How hot is it? Because he failed. Those are the first two words he used in his season-ending press conference in January. I failed. He did. The season was a disaster. We don't need to go back. A lot of the decisions that he made sabotaged this team. Left tackle, right guard, quarterback, etc. Where is your GM right now? We asked Jim Irsay on Monday night. And it was very telling to me that his answer was different than it had been in past years. In past years, it was... Oh, Chris is going to be here for a long time. We're really lucky to have Chris. And I understand there's a lot of context that goes into this. I've, I've been here. I was there the night Andrew Luck retired, been through all the quarterbacks ever since. It's, it's very hard to find the next guy. It very, it's very difficult. They've screwed up a couple of those decisions. But here's what Ursay said Monday night. Everyone has to be successful to keep their job if you're a GM or a head coach. I don't feel like he's on some quick hot seat but the expectations are there. And then the second quote was really telling. It was, I don't care what the record is, you can tell if you're going in the right direction. And I want to be going in the right direction. This is a very important draft for Chris Ballard. We knew that. Now we know that even more. Jim Mercer wants to see this team turn this around going into 2024. I'm not going to give you a number because there's no win total that's going to be a hard and fast line. Chris Ballard needs to nail this draft. And this team needs to show signs of progress going into the next season. Otherwise, he'll sit down and he'll think about what he's going to do regarding the future of this GM. But I thought that was very telling. And, and it was interesting that, that Ursay said, look, Chris and Shane are going to pick this quarterback. 
I'm not going to step in unless I really, really disagree. That's not going to happen. Chris and Shane are going to pick this quarterback, and then this team needs to show progress in 2023 that shows they're going in the right direction as opposed to where they were last year, which is basically collapsing every week down the stretch. I thought that was very telling. This is a very important season for Chris Ballard. Yeah, because it could be his last. So I think, and you've said it multiple times in the past, how many GMs get the chance to go through the amount of coaching hires that he's had, QB decisions that he's had. Again, it's not all on him, but the clock is ticking, man. You got to make some things that, in my opinion, will be attached to your tenure. Because right now, we take, we take a step back, look at it from 20,000 feet. Your tenure is, you haven't won significantly. You haven't won a division title in a very weak division. Now, it's stronger now, and I think it'll be stronger with what Houston might do at number two and whatever else. But for the years that you were here up until this point, you should have won this division. This team should have won the division. There's no reason. Ursay is really mad about that. Him and Urse, him and Ballard and, and Chris would sit and Frank would sit before every season and they would talk about what do we need to do to win the AFC South? Never got it done. I did love in true again Ursay fashion, him slipping in like, I still want to win that season opener, which is hilarious yeah, considering you can't everything. Help it. And and that to me also speaks on a more serious note to why. I've been hammering this home to the fans who you know reach out to me or ask me questions about it. This is a guy who would never tank. He would never tell his team, go out there and lose because in theory, it'll help us win. He wants to, you know, if it happens organically and they win three games, so be it. But again, like you said, he does not want to put a product out there that everyone knows is meant to be bad. Like he wants them to be good. He would. I, he cares too much. He would, and, yeah. he, and I respect the, the him about that. Sanctity of the game is too important. And to again, him. that speaks to his, you know, stance on a lot of things. Like he, he looks at himself, his family, his name, his franchise, as one of those foundational pieces in the league, and sort of an example of what this thing should look like. And so, I thought it was still hilarious that he mentioned that because I was like, man, this guy. He cannot let it go. Because Frank had told him, like, just chill out on the opener talk. Yep. Like, right? Like, just just don't you mention know. it. And honestly, I respect him for saying that, no, you should want to start your season on a winning note. And it is still wild that they haven't had a winning record after week one. And I don't know however long, because even after last season, it was a tie. This will be the 10th, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah t- I mean, That's 10 years absurd. ago, Zach, I was a senior in high school. Ursay was livid as he walked out of NRG Stadium in Houston in week one. Everybody thought, oh, Easy, easy win. You're playing one of the worst teams in the league. And they couldn't even beat the Texans. And it was a sign of things to come. <laughs> well, on a tangent, I hope things go better for my guy, John L. Davis. I'll get a plug in here for FAU Hoops from Gary, Indiana. They're at NRG Stadium for the Final Four this weekend. So I'm excited about them. And maybe I'll, you know, I'll get some better memories out of that stadium than what I had for my first NFL game ever. That was Truly, truly something, Zach. Watched a lot of good games there over the years, man. T.Y. Hilton used to carve them up every time. But Ah, you're talking about ancient man. history at this point, man. Know, here and now, baby, here I and know. now. But yeah, so, you know, my takeaway from this this week is, is pump the brakes on the Lamar conversation. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of context that goes into it. Think about what the Colts value right now. And they're not in a position where they can rule it out. They're just not because they don't have an answer right now. And they haven't had an answer the last couple of years. There's real hesitations. There's real hesitation. As, as, as someone told me with the team sort of off the record this week, like he's very expensive. The money is absolutely a factor. 
and it's not really the exact way you want to build a team with a new head coach starting over. But we'll see because this team hasn't figured it out, and what they've done the last couple of years has been wrong. The results have borne that out, and they need to figure something out. But I still think it's a quarterback at four, and I think it's going to be fascinating over the next month what happens if anybody moves up to three, what the Colts end up doing. But we're getting closer, James. Only like 27 more days until we get an answer at number four. Yeah, this is the last day of March, man. April 1st, April Fool's tomorrow. And um, again, I think I'm just enjoying the chaos or trying my best to because every day there's a headline. Every day, every word that they say gets you know blown up, whether it's the Colts or a different team. So again, this is all new to me. And I guess I'm going to get more experience covering the NFL why not you know go through a crazy first season and then now be in a position where they're literally picking the most important position and you haven't had the privilege of doing this or being in this position to cover this I believe since you started and so it's kind of like the stars aligned for James to get every single most important you know experience coaching changes quarterback changes you know uh uh Ursa pressers things like that so um We'll see. And I hope you got a town out there, you know, Arizona, because you deserve it after the season you had. <laughs> Long couple of days. Um, I'm going to take the rest of the day off. I know that. Um, and get back at it next week. We've got a lot more to do. Whether we look at the draft, look at the rest of the picks. Um, they will probably add a couple of depth pieces in the next couple of weeks. One thing I would suggest everyone to keep an eye out for is the Beast Dane Brugler's draft guide. Yes, absolutely. It's a masterpiece every single year. It's like the Bible for us. That should be out first week of April. Um, and it's, even now. It's, 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 it's essential this time of year because with the quarterbacks finishing up their pro days, it's it's such a good resource. So look for that. You've got some stories, James. I got some more coming out. Yeah, even now, you know, Dane has his top 100 prospects updated. And this is really cool. It's interactive. You can click on, you know, different names and they'll have background on these guys. I believe all the way going back to some guys for high school. And so have fun with that. Check that out. I think that Dane... It's funny when you look at a guy's title and it's like, oh, he's an NFL draft analyst. And it's like, wow, what do you do the other, you know, months of the year besides the, Oh, he does the but beast. I know. Like, let me tell exactly. you. Exactly. And it's it's one thing as a fan to consume it, but to be a coworker, and I don't know Dane like that well, but to kind of know like the workload on my end for what we do versus what he does. And I'm like, wow, like guys like him, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL network, where they're just bury themselves. In like I just picture like a dark room with a little TV and <laughs> just looking at film and you know and, and just you know rewinding things over and over. Um, I think he earns his check and, and it's a great um, resource for not only me as a writer just to get more familiar with players, but as fans, make sure you check this stuff out. Um, I believe the last day is today for the you know one dollar twelve month one dollar for the first twelve months of your athletic subscription. Feel free to get that, not only for us, but for all the great things we do at The Athletic. Um, there's a plug for you. It's uh, not, I promise I'm not getting anything from this. It's just, there's a lot of good stories out there that you have to, you know, pay for. They put a lot of time and effort into this. And I think that you'll thank yourself when you can look at, you know, again, how expansive and how in-depth this stuff is. Because the beast is coming and you might as well get it now, you know, get a jump start on it now with the deal so you can really in enjoy it. And when we, you know, get to that point of the draft where guys are, you know, names are being called, you'll be more familiar with them as we, you know, catch up and, and give you more uh, on that end. So I'm excited about it. I mean, it seems like I think Will Levis said it best. It's going to be the longest month of his life. And that's kind of what it feels like for me because I'm like, 
Of course, I'm going to keep continue no, to write. Longest but... month it was was uh, was November last year in December when we had to watch those games. Let's not forget, <laughs> the beast is coming. We've got a lot more draft content coming the next couple of weeks as well. Yeah, dollar a month for the first six months of the Athletic. That's that's a total steal in my opinion. A total steal. We've got so much good site all over, so much good content all over the site. Um, I was catching up with a lot of our reporters this week in Arizona and just like. If you really want a good look at what the Panthers are thinking at number one, you can read Joe Person. And we've got a ton of Colt stuff up there. And Everything Lamar. Jeff Rebick, our guy yeah. in Baltimore, is just he's really plugged in out there and he's got a really good feel for the impasse between the Ravens organization and their star quarterback. So there's just lots of good stuff. And if you want to get a deal, now's the time to do it on the athletic. Yeah, so that's wrapping up everything we talked about in Arizona, the Colts quarterback position. The Lamar Jackson discussion, what Jim Mersey said, what Chris Ballard said, what Shane Steichen said. It's going to be a busy month, but we're, we're, we're finally, finally into <laughs> April, James. So Thank God. We've got a lot more to come. I promise you we will not ease up until we find out what they do on April 27th. So for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. This is the Upper Quartile Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will catch up with you guys in the next couple of weeks.